This is Bless You Boys Podcast 118, recorded on the 4th of July, 2014. You can't have enough martinezes. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Welcome to Bless You Boys Podcast. We're part of the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com. SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog kicks around the past week of Detroit Tigers baseball. Uh, and it's and as we're going to talk about, it's been, uh, well, before the show we were talking and Hookside called it another boring week of winning, and that's pretty much what it's been. So uh, first of all, let's get the introductions out of the way. I am uh, your host, uh, podcast wrangler, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys, Al Beaton. Joining me as always is the man you know as Hook Slide, who has been uh, cranking out quite a bit of content on the site as of late. You and plus, you would you uh, generated quite a lot of uh, discussion with your what the Tigers need to do at the, at the break. We're going to talk about that a little later. Yeah, well, it's it's pretty easy when you leave a lot of open-ended questions. Just yeah. say, what do you guys think? But it was uh, interesting just the, how the poll turned out. But we'll get into all that. A yeah. uh, couple things about the podcast before we move on and actually talk about sports. Uh, you want to contact us via email, bybtigers at gmail.com, bybpodcast, gmail.com. We're also on Twitter. Usually it's uh, either myself, Hookslide, Kurt, Melissa, or Rob. We're uh, usually running Bless You Boys. That's at Bless You Boys. And, of course, we're on the Facebook, facebook.com slash byb.tigers. Uh, again, uh, it's often just easier to find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for the name Bless You Boys. Then follow us, like us. And we try to post some extra content on there when we have a chance. And, obviously, during games, the Twitter account is going full, full bore. And so, and we try I'm to be surprised. entertained. So. I'm surprised that I haven't been elected to run the Twitter account full-time, given that the last time I did it, Roger Davis hit a walk-off grand slam. <laughs> yeah, basically because it's a pain in the ass to do it. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to do it every night. <laughs> no, no. In fact, I don't ever want to do it again because of what happens. Yeah, you, you yeah, go out on top. Yeah, on a high note, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Drop the mic, as they say. There you go. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, let's kind of lead into all that, kind of a good segue into this past week and that uh, Tigers lost two to the Astros uh, when we after we first talked. They uh, lost two or three to the Astros. Uh, then they swept the best the team with the best record in baseball, and the team people were considering the best team in baseball, the Oakland A's. And as we're recording this, the Tigers uh, absolutely thumped the Tampa Bay Rays Thursday night, hitting three home runs in the first inning. And uh, really, though, uh, the streak hook slide has been odd, just in that. It's kind of baseball in a nutshell because the Tigers were one out away from being swept in Houston, winning the second game of that series on Egan Kinsler's ninth inning home run. Uh, and for that matter, in that series, uh, Miggy and Viamart, uh, uh, Miguel Cabrera and Victor Martinez, only went one for 25. Uh, and then we go into the A series. 
Victor Martinez doesn't even play in any of the games, and the Tigers were one out of way of losing the second game of that series until Rajai Davis, as we mentioned earlier, hit what was is known as a super slam, the uh, the walk-off grand slam three-run home run with two outs when you're down three runs. And I guess that's a very, very rare occurrence. I think it's only it's happened less than 20 times over the history of baseball. That's at least that specific circumstance. But, that, yeah, there, there's been times in this, uh, in this uh, resurgence of the team, looks like, where people like, oh, here we go again. God damn it, this team's going to lose and – and stuff like this happens. Again, that's baseball. Yeah, like you said, coming off of that, that series with Houston, mm-hmm. you know, it just it doesn't make any sense. You know, how, yeah. how you almost get swept by one of arguably the worst teams in baseball. You know, although, give them their credit, they do have some good pitching. And they are better. And Jose Altuve played out of his Yes, line. yes. And like you said, with, with Cabrera and uh, Victor Martinez kind of disappearing a little bit there, you can kind of understand what happened. But still... Just got I me mean, looking back on the on the season so far and to see that they they've only broke the Tigers that have only broke even against teams like Cleveland and Minnesota, uh, you know, only playing 500 ball against teams like that. Then they come and you know face like you said, arguably the best team in baseball, at least the team with the best record, and they end up sweeping them. Yeah. Well, how do you make any sense out of it? You can't. Mm-hmm. You just can't. Yeah, and A's fans can't make any sense out of it either because they they are to the point where they absolutely despise the Detroit Tigers, considering the last three times they've made the playoffs, uh, they've been knocked out by the Tigers. And uh, the Tigers yeah. uh, t- have had two of their more recent walk-offs, obviously uh, Torrey Hunter in August of last year, and now Davis this past week came against the A's as well. So uh, they, they hate us. <laughs> yeah, and they've developed kind of a complex yes, they have. Know, because of that and saying, well, look, at the Tigers are just like the, the bad luck charm. You know, they're the kryptonite mm-hmm. or whatever, the team that we cannot beat. Uh, you know, it's baseball, like you said. How do you how do you explain the fact that the the Tigers, at least until this year, uh, were unable to to do anything against the Los Angeles Angels? Mm-hmm. You know, it just it just doesn't make sense. But ah. that's baseball. Oh wow, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's it's very yeah, yeah. Trying to analyze it too deeply, especially when it comes to streaks and and why teams win sometimes. Yeah, you just can't do it. You drive yourself nuts. Or you'll turn yourself yeah. into a sabermetician, and, <laughs> you know, and then baseball that's becomes right. numbers. So That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, the Cleveland series, the first series that we had against them was kind of in that same, you know, in that same vein because of the way that the Tigers beat up on Cleveland last year just mm-hmm. absolutely owned them. You know, I was kind of licking my chops for the first Cleveland series this year, and, and then lo and behold, the Tigers get swept. Mm-hmm. By Cleveland of all yeah, teams, yeah. you know, so what is it from year to year to situation to situation? Who knows? Yeah, yeah, and and, and it was kind of the synchronicity of that the slumps, the huge slump started with that sweet getting swept by Cleveland, and then it kind of ended when the Tigers beat Cleveland. So go figure, you know. Yes, yeah. Funny thing is too is I think there's two ways to look at that too. Uh, mm-hmm. When you see how, um, you know, how we said they almost got beat by Houston, if not for mm-hmm. Kinsler's ninth inning home run, they almost got beat by Oakland in the first game, if not for the Davis super mm-hmm. ultimate right. wacky dacky slam. Mm-hmm. So how do you approach that? Do you say, you know, they got lucky or, you know, that's sort of the negative view, you know, say, well, they're not a good team, but they're getting lucky in situations like that. Or you can look at it and say, no, they're, they're, they're a team that fights back yeah. and, and comes back in the end. Either way, it's wins in the wins column. And that's what yeah. we care about. Yeah. And to be honest with you, yeah, it, it, real, it kind of falls somewhere in there because these things tend to be random. Sometimes there's a little bit of luck involved. Uh, you know, because Sean Doodle hadn't walked, well, I think he'd walked one guy in his last uh, 
50, uh, he'd walk like one out of 50, 55 uh, at-bats, and then he walks Austin Jackson, of all people, to an extended inning. Now, yeah, that's the, one of those weird the, uh, baseball things. The strikeout. Yeah. The strikeout-to-walk ratio. That's was what it was, six yeah. Six to one. Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. And I looked at that number and said, that's, that's Koji Uehara territory mm-hmm. right there. This guy is dominant. And I watched him pitch again last night against Toronto, and he was mm-hmm. just as dominant. Yeah. You know, but for whatever reason, that, that one inning um, – you know, the A's fans said, well, it's because he'd been used four out of the last five games. He was tired, you know, mm-hmm. so he just caught him at the right time or whatever, but it worked out for us, you know. Yeah, again, and it kind of goes into why the Tigers are winning again. They're, they're catching teams, at, as they say, at the right time. Uh, that kind of leads us to where we stand at the midpoint. Actually, Thursday's game puts them one game over uh, the midpoint at 82 games. Uh, they reached the 81 game mark, the halfway mark, at 13 games over 500, but talk about a roundabout way of getting there. Uh, even though that is really their best record since 2007, you know, we don't want to talk about 2007 ended, but regardless of that, they pretty much have uh, gotten back everything they gave away during that god-awful slump. Because if you break down the season, it really is in three distinct phases. There was the 27-12 start, then there was the 9-20 and funk, and now they're 12 and two over to, uh, up to the 82 game mark. So, God, talk about—it's—it's uh, it's just weird when you look at the numbers; they're so starkly different. Yeah, and I, I carve up that that uh, period of time just slightly different than, mm-hmm. than some people do. And I think I mentioned that last week, maybe that I, I kind of count that middle period from May the 19th until mm-hmm. June the 5th yeah. as the slump, and they went four and 13 in that stretch. Now they're 17 mm-hmm. and nine yeah. after that. Um, and I, like I said, I, I just count from that point because when they faced Boston starting on June 6th, they won that series. And that was right. the first time they'd won a series, you know, since the slump. Yeah, mm-hmm. they got a little bit beat up by Kansas City after that or, you know, Chicago. And But, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, I'd say since since that Boston series, they've been back on track and playing 600 ball yeah. in, the, in the first period and in the last period, but then mm-hmm. playing under 300 in the middle yeah. period. There's... There's no explanation for that except, you know, like somebody pointed out, it's just that everything collapsed all at once. The starting pitching, the, the bullpen, the offense, everything just went to pot, Yeah, you know, for 17 games. Yeah, and that, and yeah, because uh, as we were talking during that stretch, they were getting absolutely no offensive production from the outfield. The starting pitching had gone all to hell. Uh, Joe Nathan when it was in a bad, bad funk. Uh, yeah, like you said, Hunter and Jackson especially, mm-hmm. yeah, doing, doing nothing offensively, and now they seem to be slowly heating back up. Slowly but surely, and that that's yeah, that kind of a go on a tangent there. It's interesting that guess who's back at the leadoff spot? Austin Jackson. It's like <laughs> the Tigers don't know where the hell to put him. Anywhere that he can hit, I suppose. Right. Yeah. And I know the theory was that the leadoff spot was too much pressure last year. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that, that's why he got moved down, and suddenly he started hitting in that number eight spot again. Um, you know, so it kind of made sense to leave him lower in the order starting this year. Of course, you know, the first game that he leads off this year, he goes 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Right. So you kind of go, oh, great, more of this, you know, but he seems to be doing okay. Yeah, and, but that first game was also the game with the walk, the Grand Slam, was not? No. That was it, or was that the next uh, game before that? Yeah, it was the Sunday game against I Houston. That that's right. That. But, you know, that's, that's, again, that's playing by your gut. That's playing with the, mm-hmm. you know, the feeling of the moment. If you look at the, the numbers, I've been saying for a couple of weeks, he's bound to have some serious breakout. You yeah. Know, just, just, just because of the way he's making contacts, those numbers, the line drive rate is up. Yeah, I looked uh, at that the other day, and his actually his line drive rate is higher than his career normal. 
for yes. example. And yes. but but the power, you know, either do a combination of bad luck or 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 and the slump and everything else. His power numbers are way way down. I think uh, he had his first uh, extra base hit in a few weeks. He's hit like two home runs over the past two months. You know, I think the Tigers were expecting a little more production, as, you know, get, you know, power production out of Jackson, which is why he started the, the season in the five hole. Right, and you can look at the BABIP numbers and see how, how below average those have been. Yeah. Or just, just follow the eye test and see how many times he's smoking line drives you know, to mm-hmm. the outfield that either, A, they hook foul, mm-hmm. or they go right to you know, somebody with a glove that yeah. catches them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's no wonder the power numbers are down. He's yeah. been getting severely unlucky, but if he keeps doing what he's been doing, uh, you've got to figure that's going to even out, and pretty soon you're going to see more doubles, you know, maybe a few more home runs. I'm not sure if he's got quite the home run power, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, at the very least, it looks like he's turning things around, as is Torrey Hunter, and uh, his, uh, Torrey Hunter's demise uh, was even <laughs> worse. You know, and, I, mean, I was on the verge of writing this guy off, and over the last few days, all of a sudden, he's... Uh, He's getting on base again, and actually he hit a home run last night. So it's, uh, I, I guess when it comes to Torrey Hunter, even though he's 39 years, uh, I think he's pushing 39 years old, you just can't quite write him off right now. But at, I think at the very least, I, I think everybody's going to be better served if he's just part of an outfield rotation instead of playing every day. Yeah, I mean, definitely the contributions that he has, I think, are primarily you know on offense right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. we don't even want to go into his defense. No. So, like you said, you want to limit that time, um, you know, or, or stick them in the DH spot like they did the other day. You know, get get some production out of the bat, but don't let them, you know, continue to give up runs, so to speak, in the mm-hmm. outfield. Yeah. And and that kind of, uh, as we're, you know, as I'm kind of bouncing around the list here, might as well kind of, this, that conversation is kind of taking us toward uh, your post from this week. Uh, what area do the Tigers need the most improve at the trade deadline? Because a few weeks ago, we were pretty much uh, in lockstep saying, uh, yeah, bullpen help would be nice, you know, but it's going to be expensive to find a closer. And, you know, it's, and a lot of teams are going to be looking for bullpen help. But at that time, and as we, when we brought this up, we, as the Tigers were getting absolutely no production out of Austin Jackson, uh, Torrey Hunter, or for that matter, Rajay Davis, we really thought out, an outfield, a corner outfield bat, hopefully left-handed with some pop, would be the biggest need. But J.D. Martinez, even though he's not left-handed, really seems to have lessened that need because he still hasn't – he's cooled down a little bit, but he's still hitting the ball well. He's, you, know, he, uh, you know, he hasn't – he's not hitting home runs in bunches the way he was, but he's getting on base. He's hitting 320. So that seems to have eased that issue a little bit. So now it's all drifting back to the bullpen again because you posted um, – as I mentioned earlier, you posted a, a poll with your uh, with the post, and the readers at Bless You Boys were in lockstep. Ninety percent of the readers polled said the team needs to target bullpen help. Only six percent said the outfield. Three percent are happy if the team stands pat, and one percent wanted a starting pitcher. Yeah, and like you said, the the outfield's not really one of those. I don't know. Like I said in the post, it's a crowded place right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an extremely crowded place. Um, and they're getting a little bit of that production now out of J.D. Martinez. And, you know, once Andy Dirks comes back, I think he'll improve on the on the defense side. So you, you save a few more runs that way. I'm not sure he's going to be, you know, really a, an offense threat, at least not right away. Um, 
so maybe you know the outfield is not the place. It seems you have a surplus there. You, you maybe can trade from the outfield to get what you need somewhere else, but I don't know that you need to go out and get yet another outfielder and then have to figure out what to do with you know with the crowded situation that's out there. But the bullpen is an obvious, obvious place where they need to improve. All right, I can unmute now as the train has passed by. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, and it's going to get even more crowded whenever Andy Dirks returns, and that's looking more and more like it's going to be post All Star break. And you know, we've been hearing about Dirks that it's uh, uh, he's going on a rehab assignment soon, and we've been hearing that for a month now. So I'm, I'm I was planning on write, kind of writing a post as to where things stand. But nothing has changed uh, other than, you know, Andy Dirks is going to come back. We just don't know when. But, uh, yeah, I'm agreeing to you right there right now. At the, at the moment, uh, J.D. Martinez has kind of solved that, that uh, corner outfield issue. The bullpen, yeah. I, the thing is, we say that every season about the bullpen. I think every fan of every team says that about their bullpen. That's in contention. We need to get bullpen help. We need to get bullpen help. So, and some of the guys that have been mentioned uh, are interesting, specifically uh, Joaquin Benoit, <laughs> who is avail- right. supposedly going to be available, uh, be made available by the Padres, and Benoit is still pitching very, very well. Sorry, so you, you had train issues, now I've got fireworks going on. Ah, <laughs> so sure uh, holidays, on. what are you going to do? <laughs> no. Yes, so sorry, we were talking about Benoit, right? Yes, yeah, and... Uh, He's pitching very, very well and is reportedly maybe on the market, and he would be a nice fit. You know, I've heard that from more than one place. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously we, we posted about it at Bless You Boys, but prior yeah. to that, I'd heard that from more than one mm-hmm. uh, you know outlet saying that uh, the Padres are willing to deal Benoit and the Tigers are among the, the list of teams that are interested in, in picking him up, which would be kind of funny if you think mm-hmm. about yeah. it. You know, the fact yeah. They let him walk, didn't even make him a qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was saying in one of the comments threads that that more or less made sense to me because they thought, you know, they're getting – elite closer Joe Nathan, uh, you know, you don't want to demote Benoit. And plus they thought Bruce Rondon was going to be able to step up. Well, exactly, exactly. So you figure you don't really have a place for Benoit, don't need him, let him go make mm-hmm. money as a closer somewhere. And now it's kind of looking like, no, we could probably use use the help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it, I would disagree just slightly in the, in the fact that uh, you said, the, you know, a lot of contending teams are are, are saying the same thing. Oh, we need both. I would say the fans of these teams are always saying this. Except for Oakland. Yeah. Except for Oakland, mm-hmm. uh, they. I was uh, chatting with some of those guys last night and watching their game and mm-hmm. saying, uh, "Who's going to pitch the the eighth and the ninth? And they come up with like three or four different names. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. like, <laughs> what is that like to have the luxury of saying, hey, "We can give our closer a day off because we've got, you know, lots of other guys that can fill in and, and take that role." I don't think Detroit has that that flexibility just mm-hmm. yet. Um, of course, it would it would take a it would take a change in in uh, management philosophy yeah. to, to pull that off too to be able to say. Um, you know, look, Blaine Hardy has been just absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. in his uh, his last yes, what, 10, 10, 11 innings. You mm-hmm. know that, that nobody's hitting him. He's striking guys out at an incredible rate. Mm-hmm. You know, love to see the flexibility to say, hey, for this game we're going to let Hardy close, or for this one we're going to let uh, Chamberlain close, and then we'll put Joe Nathan in there when it makes sense to do that, statistically speaking, mm-hmm. rather than being locked into that. No, he's the ninth inning guy. He's the ninth inning guy. He's the ninth inning guy. We're going to go to him. Yeah. Yeah, so mm-hmm. if they do get Benoit, mm-hmm. where, where do you see him kind of fitting into that? Because I don't, I don't see them demoting Joe Nathan. Right. You know, where does Benoit fit into that into that picture? Uh, obviously, it would be uh, 
probably the seventh inning, you know, or or swap or interchangeably swap him in and out with uh, Jabba Chamberlain, or you know, and for that matter, you know, maybe he he closes occasionally. You know, at least with Benoit, you have options as to where he can be most used. But realistically, sure. other than Nathan's struggles, the Tigers' main issues with their bullpen, I think, have not been so much with the setup guys. It's been middle and long relief. Right. Right, right. There, there are some options out there. You've got Albuquerque, but mm-hmm. uh, it just seems like it's been kind of a revolving door in terms of guys going onto the DL yeah. or being shipped back and forth, you know, to uh, Toledo. You know, Evan Reed's down there now. Um, you said Ian Kroll, right? He's on the disabled list. Yeah, he's supposed to come back uh, next week, actually. Oh, that's right. I think he's actually going to be here in West Michigan. Yeah, he's rehabbing this weekend. Yeah, yeah. That's that's talking about. Yeah. Sorry, I should go get tickets. Yeah. <laughs> go say hi from, from Bless You Boys. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there's not really much depth there in the in the middle long relief area mm-hmm. yeah and that oh, was one of the but, reasons why these guys uh, they brought up these seem to be bringing these guys up in mass hardy uh mccoy and uh and uh chad smith uh, chad smith who pitched last night and yeah they said hardy's been a revelation he is uh, he's not going anywhere yeah the jury's still out i think uh, on, on the other two for the most part but uh, and McCoy's still more of a loogie type anyway. I mean, obviously, he'll probably be the odd man out when the Crow returns. But, and let's uh, not forget Phil Coke. Yeah, and Phil Coke has uh, essentially risen from the dead. He's become, yeah, I guess we could call him uh, a phoenix at this point because he's risen from the ashes <laughs> of what was thought to be a career in ruins. And over the past six weeks or so, had, he's not a lockdown cl- uh, pitcher by any means, but he has become... Pretty darn trustworthy as of late. He's getting left-handers out again. And if he can get left-handers out, he's worthy of having on the roster. It's, it's a really nice option to have right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. the way he's been performing. I don't necessarily feel good about him long-term. Yeah, I'm not confident at all if it's going to last. You're right. No, the, the track record suggests that he's a worse pitcher than what he's mm-hmm. you know, doing right now. So if he's on a, a streak, a hot streak, great. Mm-hmm. You can use that. It, you know, It fills the gap for now. I, I don't necessarily think he'll be part of the long-term solution. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but getting back to, to Benoit, the thing yeah. with, with that is he's got great numbers. You'd love mm-hmm. to see him come back and kind of bolster that, you know, that, that bullpen situation. However, mm-hmm. doesn't he have, he's got another year in his contract. Yeah. He uh, signed two years, 15 million plus. So he's going to be owed, I think next year, about $8 million, give or take. Okay. So it, it makes it interesting that if they want to bring him in, you know, as a, a quote unquote rental mm-hmm. for this year, um, then, then you're right back to having to deal with that situation next year and saying, do we keep him, you know, right. do we try and trade him off again? Yeah, and essentially that's pretty much what the Tigers were paying him before. He was, uh, when they signed him as a free agent uh, several years ago, it was, I think it was about $8 million a year for three years. So, uh, but yeah, again, he's also getting up there in age where the point where, you know, he's 36 years old. Uh, so you got that, there's always that little thing in the back of your mind, as we've heard of Joe Nathan, is that you just never know with the, uh, with the, when these guys get up there in age. Is when the, when does the decline come? Hasn't arrived yet for Benoit, but you got to wonder. And that's a lot of money for a 36 year old reliever who isn't a closer, especially. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess they could use him as a closer if need be. Yeah. He's shown that he can do that. But mm-hmm. uh, again, with Nathan still theoretically being on the roster next year. Mm-hmm. There, there doesn't seem to be space for that. Yeah. Now, while we're on the topic, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard the rumors about Koji Uehara. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he may be on the market. He might be on the, I haven't heard anything solid. Right. Just some suggestions that the Red Sox might be smart, might be wise 
mm-hmm. he considered dealing him, and if so, the Tigers would be a good good match for that. But there's another guy who's I think 39, pushing mm-hmm. 40, yeah, um, who's just been spectacular. Yeah, who knows when the when that decline hits? Yeah, you know, and that it's interesting, kind of the segue into a uh, into uh, something else you wrote this past week. It was you uh, wrote about Earl Weaver's book, uh, and that yes. and one of the things you brought up about Earl Weaver's philosophy when it came to bullpens is that you uh, develop, you, t- you put, take an, uh, an average to an above average relief arm, make him a closer, let him build up some gaudy stats, and then sell high. And essentially right. that's what the Tigers have been, the Tigers have been buying high for years now when it comes to closers. And it's, an inter- it's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, and that's, that's actually uh, Billy Bean. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. His, his philosophy, I right. he was the one who said, you know, this mm-hmm. is how I build up my, my payroll. Yeah. And, but the fact that he was able to do that and still is able to do that, mm-hmm. again, look at the situation in Oakland. They have yeah. pretty strong bullpen depth right now. Mm-hmm. But his philosophy all along has been just bring up guys from AAA, yeah. find a couple that work, mm-hmm. let them do the job. But that, that goes to a basic philosophy of saying anybody can do the job. Yeah. Anybody can do this. Just find the guy that fits. And then, like you said, you let them accumulate a bunch of saves and then sell them off instead of mm-hmm. doing what the Tigers do, which is committing to you know one and two and three year contracts. Yes, you know buying high, like you said. Um, but there again, that that cuts to the to the basic philosophy that I don't think the Tigers share. Dombrowski and, and mm-hmm. Osmus don't seem to have that. Uh, I just heard Osmus on the on the radio uh, yesterday or the day before talking mm-hmm. to Dan Dickerson about the quote unquote closer mentality. Yeah, how it takes a special kind of a guy to do that. It's direct opposite of what, what Billy Bean was doing. It's like, mm-hmm. no, anybody can do this. Yeah. You know? So it, it would take a, a shift in thinking, I think, at the at the front level, you know, at the front office level at the Tigers organization to kind of, you know, pursue that approach. I, I wish to God they would because mm-hmm. it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, because essentially to me, that when they say closer mentality, it means a guy who can shake off a rough outing uh, and come back the next night. But to get to the big league level, I think you could have to say that about every single big league player, not just closers. Yeah, and Austin was talking just about the, the the change in atmosphere, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, from the eighth to the ninth inning. Because now you are down to your final three outs. There's a certain level of intensity that goes up, you know, and the opposing team is really going to press, you know, and try to, to do some damage and get the game back in their hands. So he was saying it, you know, it takes a special kind of mentality to to withstand that pressure and go out there and say, I'm going to really just buckle down, get these final three outs. I don't know if there's if there's truth i mean there's some truth to that in that the ninth inning is you know slightly different that leads to the conversation is there such a thing as being clutch or or, (laughs) you know or is uh the you know why are the last three outs of the game so much more important than say the three outs in the eighth inning aren't the seventh and eighth innings often more high leverage situations and that's where you should be putting your most your best best relief arm because often they're coming in with guys on base while in the ninth inning Bases are empty, so that that could we could go down our huge rabbit hole between what Osmus just said and what I think advanced metrics have been telling us for years, and it also goes to show that Brad Osmus isn't quite the uh, numbers guy p- people made him out to be when he got hired. No, and, and he said that from the start. Yeah, he said you know he played the game for a long time and said I'm an old school baseball guy, so yeah. don't don't expect me to be the the stats guru. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting back to this whole idea of you know clutch, mm-hmm. a player being clutched, and there I will quote Earl Weaver mm-hmm. from, from his book and said, you know, it's a funny thing, but I'm paraphrasing, but you know, to say that, that uh, the guys who are good in the clutch tended to be good players anyway. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't have to do with the necessarily the situation. Situations can be clutch. Yeah, 
if you have a high leverage situation. I don't know that you have such a thing as a, a high leverage player, mm-hmm. yeah. other than just saying he's a good player. He's going to perform well under any circumstance. Same thing is true, I think, of the of the closer. Yeah, yeah the ninth the ninth inning is a higher stress, higher leverage situation. But mm-hmm. I still think you could throw Blaine Hardy in there. I think you could throw Java Chamberlain in there. A decent pitcher. You a know, decent the, pitcher. A decent pitcher. Yeah, and and they're going to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just you know, as uh, for the, and I guess you could throw out there who's been clutch for the Tigers as of late, Ian Kensler, but he's considered to be a very good player who's having an All Star quality year. Uh, now, R.J. Davis, that was just I think one of those weird baseball things. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm the type of I fall, but the, I I'm, I totally agree for a Weaver in a lot of things in that. Bunts are useless for the most part, unless it's a, a very narrow situation. Uh, the best offense is a three-run home run. Uh, walks are just as good as a hit. And, uh, you know, again, we could go down a lot of rabbit holes, but how Earl Weaver wasn't a sabermetician, but had advanced metrics in mind when, when he put together his lineups. It was very interesting. Isn't that funny? Because yeah. like I said, he didn't have, you know, fan graphs or, you mm-hmm. know, or baseball reference to go to and look at the, the longer, deeper stats or whatever. But mm-hmm. he, he still played with this instinct of saying, no, you want the guy with the on-base percentage, you know, at the top of the lineup. Yeah. Don't waste the, the, the out or risk the out on stealing hit, the, uh, hit and runs, bunts, mm-hmm. unless you're specifically trying to play for just that one run. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, it's the old uh, cliché. Uh, when you play for one run, one run is all you're going to get. Right, and that was that was one of his you know principles. Yes, yeah. if you're if, if it's late in the game and you're sure that you've got exactly. you know a pitcher that can shut him down and you just need the one run, then yeah, okay, then it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, bunting in the third inning, why? You know, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it'd be interesting to have an Earl Weaver type running this team, wouldn't it? Oh God, it would. Uh, it'd be very entertaining just because he would still be baiting umpires even with the replay rules in effect anymore. <laughs> You know, because uh, his rants were legendary. So, but uh, 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 anyway, let's get back to uh, before we continue off on another tangent. Let's kind of drift back into the topics at hand. So, uh, yeah, it really looks like if the Tigers do make some moves at the trade deadline, uh, it's going to be for bullpen help. I, you know, especially if Torrey Hunter shows that he's not slumping anymore and Jackson starts to hit. And J.D. Martinez is, continues to be a Martinez. Uh, things it should be fine in the outfield. So it really looks like bullpen help. I'm, the interesting part is there's still a, a segment of the fan base out here who are adamant that the Tigers need to trade Max Scherzer. Maybe that's that one percent who says the Tigers need a starting pitcher because they said you can't, you know, uh, you you can't let him go and not get anything in return. But 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 the Tigers will they keep forgetting the Tigers will be getting something in return. One, they'll be getting a playoff spot, and two, they the Tigers will make a qualifying offer, so the Tigers will get a draft pick in return. So that's one of the, I think one of those uh, when you're looking for a starting pitcher, one uh, the Tigers they don't really need one per se because uh, I mean come on when Drew Smiley is essentially your number five and he's a damn good pitcher. You don't need a starting pitcher unless you plan on trading somebody. But the trade out, out of uh, the, the way this team is going, I guess to put it best, it's not a coincidence they started winning again when the starting pitching got straightened out. No, not at all. We always, yeah. you know, have said that the, the strong starting pitching is, is mm-hmm. your it's your ace in the hole. So, so why? Yeah, it's so weakening in it. It just makes no sense to me. No, and I like the way you're looking at it and saying. It's it's a it's the wrong approach to say we have to get something for Scherzer before he goes. Mm-hmm. We're saying we have gotten something, yeah, know, out of him. 
for him. Uh, we, we're getting that playoff spot, that the contention there, and, and the way he's pitched this year and last year. Mm-hmm. So it, it does not make sense right now to, uh, you know, like you said, to weaken the starting rotation when you're in the middle of a playoff hunt. Yeah. Yeah, because any yeah any starting pitcher that's going to be available for trade out there is not going to be equal pretty much probably anybody on this on the staff. Yeah, it, that's unless you're unless you pay absolute absolutely through the nose, and the Tigers aren't going to do that. No, and, and why? What's what is the point? Yeah, you're getting. I, I just don't even know what you would even expect to get in return. Uh, you know, for Max Scherzer, as we've already kind of looked up and down the the roster and said, mm-hmm. where do they need to fill? Mm-hmm. Uh, the bullpen, obviously, being the, the most obvious spot. But, you know, what are you going to get in the bullpen for Max Scherzer except for, I don't know, an overpriced, you yeah. know, elite setup man or something? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, a, a bad contract. A bad contract that like more than likely that someone wants to dump. Or a handful of prospects. Yeah. I, there's just there's no good – I can't think of a good scenario in yeah. which trading Max Scherzer makes any kind of sense, although I, mm-hmm. I will probably say I, I think it's good that they're, I think, going to let him go. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree with you with that because the Tigers won. I really can't see them uh, holding on to a guy that another player who's going to make serious kind of money. And it'd be nice if they could spread that twenty million, twenty-five million he, he's going to get a year, or maybe around the rest of the roster. And uh, it kind of leads to me to something. Uh, since I've been watching a lot of soccer with the World Cup going on, I got kind of caught up in the. U.S. men's national team runs the quarter, uh, trying to get to the quarterfinals that fell short. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann, the German head coach of the uh, of the men's team, uh, when uh, what before the when there was a big controversy over leaving, essentially who's the man who's considered probably the best American soccer player ever, Landon Donovan, off the team, and he used the term that in U.S. sports, too many players get paid for what they've done, not for what they're going to do. And his example was using Kobe Bryant, who's making like an insane, like $30 million a year in his, his late, pushing late 30s. This is a kind of, he makes sense in that, you know, the Keep Scherzer, the Tigers could find, suddenly find themselves in a Justin Verlander situation. And we all agreed that if you're going to give a contract to somebody, you need to give it to someone who has a track record of being a horse. And obviously Verlander has been that, but, now, all of a sudden, he's hit early 30s and looks like he's going to have to change his, uh, just kind of change his approach to pitching a little bit. And Klinsman made a lot of sense. Do the Tigers really want to give seven or eight years worth of contract to Max Scherzer for essentially what he's done over the last two years? And the answer is no. No. I don't think so. I think mm-hmm. if you're going to invest that kind of money for a long-term pitching, I think long-term pitching contracts are a bad idea in general. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to invest that kind of money in somebody long-term for six, seven years, give it to Rick Porcello. Yeah, yeah, because of the age more than anything else. Well, it's, not, it's the age, but mm-hmm. it's also the fact that he's he's not a power pitcher. Yeah, he's yeah, he, yeah you're right. He doesn't depend on that 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Good point. Exactly. Yeah. He's not going to – that, that, that uh, key weapon in his arsenal, as Jim Price would say, you know, is not the 100-mile-an-hour fastball that will inevitably decline mm-hmm. over the course of that long contract that you give to him. Uh, rather, you know, he's he's a finesse pitcher that that works on command and location, and um, you know his secondary pitches. If the sinker sinks, he's an yes. effective pitcher, and he can do that for you know, yeah, potentially a very very long time. So exactly. you lock that kind of guy up. You lock up a Verlander, yes, because like you said, he's he's a workhorse. Mm-hmm. He'll, uh, he's an elite pitcher that I think will he will do well no matter what. Yeah, 
when his uh, velocity tails off, he's gonna he's gonna figure something else out mm-hmm. and and get his his command and location to work for him instead. Max Scherzer, you know, had a great 2013. He's having a great 2014. Not convinced that he's going to continue on for seven more years doing that. Yeah, and he, someone will give him that contract. But yeah, it won't be the Tigers. And uh, I, I do kind of, you know, I, I, uh, I guess uh, if you're going to give long-term contracts, it's going to be to Hall of Fame-level ball players. And I think the jury's out on Max Scherzer being that kind of player, but. Justin Verlander is trending that way, and obviously Miguel Cabrera is a lock at this point. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting conundrum because, you know, fans, for example, look at Verlander. Fans were thrilled that they locked up Justin Verlander. Six months later, they're remoaning the fact that Justin Verlander is locked up long term. So you, well, you can't yeah. make anybody happy with these things. You really can't. No, I think even that's just maybe some short-term Yeah thinking to, you know, be upset for the fact that they locked him up. Yeah, and I, plus that, that extension hasn't even kicked in yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. We haven't yet begun to suffer Yeah, <laughs> the pain of this contract. Are you <clears throat> kidding? No. Um, and look at the way he's been pitching, though. Yeah. You know, it was, he made that uh, that interview with, with uh, Brad Osmus and Dan Dickerson several weeks ago where he said, hey, we were watching videos with Verlander and, and Jeff Jones, and we found the flaw. We're going to fix it. We're excited about it. And just like that, it's three games later, Yeah, and Verlander's looking pretty good. Looking, yeah, he's starting to look like Verlander again. His last start was, was, was solid. Last three, as you said. And it was, one interesting note of that, though, is that I think Brad Office has gotten it figured out in that, you know, we've posted it online on our site, all the places that posted it, that it was very obvious after a certain pitch count post-surgery, Verlander's effectiveness went way, way, way down. And it looks like maybe Ausmus has clicked onto that because in the last, I think his last couple starts he was not going to allow Verlander to push push much past the hundred pitches or past right. fifth or past sixth inning right now at least you know and I think that makes a lot of sense right now. It sure does. Like, like I said, there's no reason to to run him out there and set him up for failure. Yeah, play with what you've got. I think he does have the fatigue issue going that that's going to eventually fade away as the season goes on. But for the mm-hmm. you know for the time being, get six good innings out of him. Yeah, exactly. And, and let the bullpen do the rest. Here, mm-hmm. here was the stat I was looking for. His last three starts since finding that little mechanical flaw mm-hmm. and, and fixing it, 19 innings. Mm-hmm. He struck out 20 and only walked two. Yeah, and that's the difference. Yeah, that's the that's Sean Doolittle like. <laughs> that's right. It certainly suggests that he's found the the, uh, the command. Yeah. Yeah, and, and getting that, the swings and misses, and, and that was uh, that seemed to be an issue for Verlander is that he couldn't pinpoint his fastball. That that was his big right. deal. Although I won't lie, I got a little bit nervous that mm-hmm. game against Oakland a couple of days ago when he oh, the loaded the bases. To, yeah, no, the leadoff homer to Crisp, and then oh yeah, batters yeah. later to to Moss. You're going, yeah. Oh oh boy, it's going to be one of those games. But he dialed it in. Yeah, you know, like I said, he did load the bases a couple of times. Yeah, that's but, when I thought the fatigue was kicking in. Was in the sixth inning. He loaded, you know, uh, I think he had runners on the corners and nobody out. Yes. Ended up loading the bases and still pitched out of trouble and did not give up a run. But Osmus said, okay, let's get you the hell out of there. <laughs> that's, so, right. that's, that's what you want your manager to do. Exactly. You know? Recognize the signs and don't, don't try to run through the gauntlet like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, you, since you brought up Porcello, we really need to touch, go a little deeper on him because he has been an absolute revelation uh, actually for the last calendar year when it comes down to it. But over his past two starts, he's looked like uh, uh, a mixture of Walter Johnson, Cy Young, and, and uh, Justin Verlander in 2012. Uh, he's tossed back-to-back shutouts. 
they are both the first two of his career, and the first he's the first Tiger to do such a thing since Jack Morris in 1986. He has not allowed a run in his last 25 innings. Uh, his 11 wins did top the American League. Uh, I think they're, it's now second. I think Tanaka won last night. Uh, but he's 11 and four. His ERA is uh, at 3.12. Uh, he's making a serious run at the All Star game, even though he may not make it because, well, it's, it's uh, the, way, the way the All-Star game is set up now, uh, more relievers are taken. There are going to be less starters. So I would not be surprised if he doesn't make it. Plus, the Tigers are going to have at least three or four other representatives on the team anyway. Regardless, yeah, you know what? yeah go ahead. And I, think, I think he'll get bit by the, the celebrity um, mm-hmm. virus, if you will, ah. in that you know, you got somebody like Derek Jeter who's going to the game. He does not deserve to be going to the game. Right. He's not in the top five in any category mm-hmm. for shortstops, and yet he's going to be the starter. Yeah. And I kind of have this feeling that it's going to be Tanaka because mm-hmm. not only is he pitching well, but but he's kind of that, uh, you know, the novelty. He's the celebrity yeah. at the moment. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. of what what he was last year and and the you know all the teams that were you know, in the in the bidding war to get him. I think right. he ends up getting there. Who's Rick Porcello? Yeah, yeah, he's just the, he's he just the guy. You know, he was always thought of a guy who yeah. who needs a good defense behind him and doesn't have that elite fastball, and he can't yeah. crank it up to a hundred like uh, Justin Verlander did in the All Star game a couple of years ago. So, good so point. he probably doesn't doesn't get there just because yeah. of that celebrity thing. Yeah, going he doesn't on. have you know that what? Hollywood thing going for me, right? Give him give him another year of doing this kind of thing where he's mm-hmm. throwing complete game shutouts, and he, I think he will kind of attain the status of uh, yeah, because he'll get sure that I'm. Because he'll get Cy Young votes at this rate. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And who am I thinking of? The, the Braves. Uh, Glavin. Yeah. Glavin was that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Glavin was wasn't necessarily a you know a wowie with my hundred mile an hour fastball. He was that kind of a finesse pitcher and, and did amazing things with it. I think you give Rick maybe another year mm-hmm. to kind of build up that that uh, um, that's the word I want the resume so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and then he will be in in that. So people will start to take notice, yeah. and, and he'll get the recognition. He'll get the celebrity status. He'll get some All Star games. Yeah, and plus he's he's just got that reputation right now as a bottom of the rotation innings eater guy who just shows up every five days. But it's hard to believe he's still only twenty five years old, even though it feels yes. like he's been here for ten years. Bottom of the rotation guy, and yet name me the one pitcher who has mm-hmm. more wins right now. Exactly, Tanaka. Yeah, that's it. How in the world do you? Yeah. you know, he he should be in the All Star game, but I don't I don't know that he'll he'll get there. Yeah, and what was even more remarkable, especially about his last um, his shutout when he shut out the A's of all teams, one of the most patient teams in baseball, uh, he shut them out on four hits, and in only two hours and thirteen minutes, which is awesome. I love quick games like that. Uh, but, right. Yeah, it, there, there was two things about it. There was one, it was a Maddox, and a and a Maddox is essentially uh, named after Greg Maddox. That's a shutout. A complete game shutout, which is under 100 pitches. He only threw 95 in that game. And it was interesting that hardball talk also came up with a term for it, calling it a Porcello. And that, <laughs> uh, it's a shutout without a walk or a strikeout, which is absolutely – and if you watch that game, all Porcello did is that he had the A's just driving ground ball after ground ball after ground ball uh, to the infield. And that is that was a feat. The walk, a shutout without a walk or a strikeout, which had not been accomplished in 25 years. The last to do so was the Baltimore Orioles Jeff Ballard in 1989. And that, that I think is even the, the most remarkable thing about that last outing is that he was so dominant. I mean, he he was like no hit dominant, yet didn't strike out or walk a guy. That's that's odd. That's really and, odd. 
it's even more remarkable, as you said, when you mm-hmm. when you consider that he didn't walk anybody, and it was the A's. Yeah, that he was the guys that are known for standing up there and mm-hmm. taking pitches and drawing walks and getting on base, mm-hmm. you know. And he he goes and does that. Yep. And uh, he well, he was getting ahead on yep. every. He was first. pounding the strike zone that night. Yes, and I loved the way I think it was Rod Allen was kind of explaining, saying he's able to get away with that throwing those first mm-hmm. pitch strikes because he's locating that strike so well. It's not an over the over the heart of the plate strike. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's on the corner here or there. You've got to swing at it or you get behind in the count. But if you do swing, ground ball. Yeah. That was just it was a remarkable thing and and. Um, well, you mentioned was it 1989? Yeah, 1989 was the last one, last uh, pitcher to ever accomplish the feat. And I think I saw on Twitter that it was around I want to say 87, maybe 88, mm-hmm. that the last Tiger did that. It was Doyle Alexander. Yeah, that yeah. did that. And the list is pretty short. I guess the only uh, pitcher who I was stunned to see on the list that Hardball Talk posted was uh, Roger Clemens. Actually, accomplished that at one time. No, that was, you know he went a game ball striking out a guy. I was stunned. <laughs> That's not yeah. true. But, uh, yeah, but you know, now you can say something. Rick Porcello has something in common with Roger Clemens. So, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, but that game, the, the A's game, that, that's as dominant as a pitcher can get without throwing a no-hitter, I think. And, that, and, and let alone not strike anybody out. Right. But right. he never looked like he was in trouble. He never looked like he was laboring. He never looked like he was breaking a sweat out there. No, and you're getting that kind of, you know, very, very fast innings. Yeah. Quick 10-pitch innings. And like you said, it, it, because he's throwing to a location, mm-hmm. he's not relying on you know the, the, the hard heater you know fastball that's going to wear him out. Yeah, you know early in the game, okay, he didn't he didn't look tired at all. He could just keep doing that, and that's very exciting to me because mm-hmm. you kind of look at that and say, well, he could, he could do that again and again yeah. and again. He has been for now. If you look back, he's doing it for a calendar year now, where he's won over twenty games. If you go by the calendar. Right, and I'm referring specifically to the to the complete game, you know, mm-hmm. or to the shutout, or to both. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think that's that's definitely within the realm of possibility. He can continue mm-hmm. to do that if he if he can keep spotting those pitches. Um, Jack Morris was the last one to to throw back to back. Yeah, for the Tigers, complete game shutouts for the Tigers. Mm-hmm. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, he threw yeah. three three in a row. It was three. Wow. Yep, in 1986, he had six total, and three of them came back to back to back. Kind of rooting for Rick to to uh, do the same thing, you know. And the, and the, what's amazing is that that's what Porcello has done is he's still not even halfway to Oral Horizizer's record. <laughs> when you think about it that way, so <laughs> I think Horizizer was pushing uh, ninety in, I mean sixty innings. I think it was in the high fifties when his streak ended. So, oh, even the scoreless innings. The scoreless inning streak. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah, and, and what is Rick up to now? Twenty five. Twenty five. I think I was looking at another stat that he's, 30, yeah, thirty one innings mm-hmm. in thirty in the last thirty one innings he's only given up three runs. Yeah, you know, so that's just it's un, un it's ungodly the way he's doing out there. Yeah, it's uh, you know in, in a lot of ways uh, you know even now Porcello is just now starting to get a little bit of national attention for what he's done, but it's it's funny that the Tigers essentially have two. Very good starters who essentially get ignored quite a bit in Porcello and uh, especially Anibal Sanchez. I mean, he's been the equal of, um, of both of, of both uh, Porcello and Scherzer for the most part, and yet he just seems to fly completely under the radar. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Because, again, like he won the ERA title last year, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. And he's... 
I don't know where he's at in the in that uh, in those standings. He's today, only got but... a two six three ERA this year, <laughs> but but yeah. he seems to be the one that snake picks. He only has five wins, uh, and a few of that and because he should have had like another three or so during that Tiger streak if they had given him any kind of offensive uh, support. And plus, he had the injury where he missed about two and a half weeks. So uh, yeah, but and that always seems to be the flying ointment with Sanchez. There's a little, there's always something there to keep the win totals down. And the win total is what still, even though it's been debunked and we can go down that rabbit hole, wins still get attention. They still do. Right. You're right. And that's, you know, I remember at least the one game against Oakland during that awful slump mm-hmm. when he pitched, basically pitched shutout ball for like yeah. seven or eight innings and mm-hmm. they still didn't get the win. You think, oh, come on. That's yeah. that's so unfair. You know, <laughs> but if you look at the quality starts, you know, it's mm-hmm. a different story. He's, yeah. he's been just absolutely consistent. He's been a rock yeah. for them. During that slump, I mean, yep. he was the only, the only one. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. it, it was. Uh, it was, and it was frustrating just to see him pitch so well and get not get rewarded for it. But see, and so here we are talking about you mm-hmm. know, two of arguably the best pitchers on the staff in Sanchez and in Porcello. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we haven't even you know included Verlander and Scherzer in that yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and Scherzer has kind of snuck up in everybody. He's having another. A, a, not, he's not going to do what he did last year, win loss lies, but he's he's ten and three now because of he got he was and he was dominant dominant against um, the Rays Thursday night. Yes, yes, and he had that one bad outing June seventeenth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ten, the ten run uh, outing. Yep. But, and he had the fifty pitch inning. Ten runs from from Kansas City, but you yeah. know since then, uh, I ran this since that outing mm-hmm. uh, one point one point seven one ERA. Yeah, and uh, opponents are hitting 197 against him, so he has been absolutely dominant for the last three outings. Yep, uh, isn't, and isn't it fun to talk about dominant starting pitching again? Isn't <laughs> <laughs> that great? Well, yeah. like you said, when that disappears, everything goes goes haywire, goes uh, you know, goes off the rails, goes sideways. We, you know, and I'm I'm tired of even talking about this team going sideways anymore because <laughs> they're, they're back on track. They're back on track, so it'll be all right. All right, uh, as we kind of wrap this up, as we're recording this on a holiday and. Uh, we both have uh, nothing to do and beer to drink and that kind of thing. Uh, the only we'll real keep drinking. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, the only other real big news the Tigers made this week, other than they did announce Ian Kroll is going to start rehab. Uh, there's no new word on uh, Dirks or Hanrahan. Is that they signed a 16-year-old Dominican outfielder? In other words, the Tigers can't have enough Martinez's because they signed Julio Martinez. Uh, and what made this a, a kind of a, a historic signing for the Tigers is that they spent a significant amount of cash on this kid, and specifically international signing, because the Tigers are not known. Now, they've been occasionally linked to uh, to some of the bigger names, say, especially coming out of Japan or something like that. But the, for a 16-year-old coming out of the Dominican, that, that's a different story. The Tigers never really shelled out this kind of money, but they gave this kid a six hundred thousand dollar contract. Well, uh, that's uh, that's interesting, Al. Yeah. That if you're saying the Tigers haven't, you know, typically been known to do no, that. No, I think but, the most they've spent is usually. I, I think Rob put it in the post as well. Is that uh, the the most they've spent before is like a hundred, two hundred grand on a kid. You know, this is a okay. big deal for the Tigers to spend this kind of money. Does that strike you as interesting or odd? Because I wanted, it was it was Dave Dombrowski, wasn't it, who signed Miguel Cabrera out of yeah when he was sixteen. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know how much they spent on him, but you'd, you'd think that uh, with Dombrowski, you know, kind of with Tigers, would kind of be uh, playing those same markets, but maybe not. Yeah, well, uh, it, it, if, if you, well, you want to put the um, 
uh, make the compare, compare, comparisons is that he's known, this is Martinez, from all accounts, is going to be probably uh, a first baseman type, <laughs> and he's known for a bat. So, uh, you know, there's, I okay. guess that's the links right there for the most part. But if, if Dave Dombrowski is impressed enough to give this kid this kind of money, well, then uh, this is definitely someone that's going to be worth watching over the next five years. Absolutely. Like you said, we can't have enough Martinez's. Yeah. <laughs> in the yeah as badly as it doesn't sound correct, Martinez's, but... Uh, the Martini. Uh, yeah, the Martini, uh, uh, or I guess you could say V-Martin mini March or something like that. But uh, Right. <laughs> this is Julio Martinez, but that's not any less confusing because J.D. Martinez is Julio. Yeah, yeah, really. Martinez, <laughs> so this is going to get... And maybe that's the plan. Maybe you stock yeah. the lineup with enough Martinez's that, mm-hmm. that you throw off the opposing pitching. They don't remember which book... Yeah. to play out of. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Who's up? It's Martinez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait. And the way, and the way Victor Martinez is hitting, he'll probably still be around when Julio makes it. So. Yeah, from your mouth to God's ears. Yeah, all right. All right, let's start wrapping up the podcast. Anything else you want to add before we call it a, a holiday? Sure. Let's let's go down just a, a little tangent path. We talked a little bit about it earlier when I put that mm-hmm. poll out to say, uh, you know, where do the Tigers need to improve mm-hmm. right now at the trade deadline? And some people, what, 3% said stand pat. Yeah. So the the question for discussion, I need to kind of throw it out there, and is uh, if the Tigers were to to stand pat and not make any moves, do they have what it takes to to uh, you know to take home that World Series with what they've got right now? Actually, yeah. I, I, if they stood pat, Does I don't think it would kill me. And kill I think, them in the playoffs. Yeah, I really don't think so because one, you shorten your lineup in the playoffs, you shorten your rotation in the playoffs, you shorten your bullpen mm. in the playoffs. Right, I mean, right. come on. Uh, if the Tigers are pitching, uh, say, Pat McCoy in the playoffs, that game's pretty much a lost cause or it's a really bizarre situation. As we saw last year, uh, you know, you shorten your bullpen to usually three guys, um, unless you're getting blown out early. You shorten the rotation to four, and you put one of your starters, which in this case would more than likely be Drew Smiley, into the bullpen, and that wouldn't be a bad thing at all. No, that's, I think, what some people forget. Yeah. I, I certainly do. You know, when I'm looking mm-hmm. at the bullpen situation and forecasting into October, I always forget that they're going to shorten it to a four-man rotation. Yep. And all of these fans that have been saying, send Smiley back to the pen are finally going to get their wish. Exactly. I, I think it's a no-brainer that he's the one that goes back mm-hmm. to the bullpen, you know, during the playoffs. And that's a huge, huge weapon to have. Exactly. A, a lefty who can uh, consistently get left-handers out, but it, but also right-handers. And those kind of lefties are hard to find. So. Uh, so maybe they don't even need a closer. You get yeah. you just smiley close all the games in the in the off or the yeah. postseason rather. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So well, this uh, this team is still going to have hiccups uh, throughout the year. I still think the offense. The you know even if J D Martinez proves to be uh, a legit everyday you know uh, guy who's going to give you twenty five home runs, I'm still not convinced that the offensive production is going to be exactly what the Tigers are going to want or need specifically from Torrey Hunter, and I'm still very concerned about Austin Jackson. But outside of that, the, the infield looks pretty much rock solid at this point. I mean, uh, 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 Suarez has really solidified shortstop, obviously, and uh, Nick, uh, Nick Castellanos is what he is, and he's turned into an, a pretty average everyday ball player, and I can handle that at third base, so... I, and, and yell what you will about Alex Vila, the guy gets on base. So yes. there's not a lot of holes in this team, even when they were slumpy. There's not, there's not a lot of places you could really, really make a significant improvement unless you pay through the nose and get a closer. Yeah, 
No, you're absolutely right. I think it, because the, the slump was just a weird kind of anomaly. Mm-hmm. Like you said, everything shut down all at once. Yes. That's, that's I don't think, a thing that's going to happen, mm-hmm. you know, even again this year, much less, you know, in the in the, in the playoffs. Um, you know, so I, I trust the offense to get the job done in the postseason. And like you said, with, with shortening up the rotation, you know, maybe getting Smiley into the pen for the playoffs, I think mm-hmm. it's a, you could stand that. Yes. So who knows? They, you know, maybe Dombrowski will surprise us all and really not make any big moves. But that would be a huge surprise. Yeah, well, it's... Uh or you know, we you know just remember you, you could end up with um, Aubrey Huff and uh, who was the pitch to pick up from Seattle that year? Uh, oh gee, I can't. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we kind of uh, we wanted to purge that those trades from our minds. It was forgettable. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, I've never forgiven Aubrey Huff for absolutely stinking it up for the Tigers and then going to San Francisco and playing like an MVP to send them to the World Series. So. So this has been an A in Thoughts with Hook Slide. Over to you, Al. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jim. Yeah, since uh, you're in such a nice area, I hear it's good. I hear good things about it. Uh, we gotta let you go because I know you got things to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, maybe do some research on the art of pitching that kind of thing, but. Well, it's all about that same keyhole. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're having your arsenal with the pitches with late movement in it. And, and then uh, you break out the yellow hammer. And then you get the yellow hammer, and uh, <laughs> the guy is Anyway, nice yeah. area, good folks. Oh, my God. He, uh, Jim <laughs> Price speaks nothing but cliches at this point, and that's what we love him for. So, All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, hopefully, I work in the listeners find out. You'll find me at uh, the Bless You Boys Twitter account a couple times a week, but also on my own Twitter account. Book slide BYB. Indeed, and you can find me pretty much at uh, also running the uh, Bless Your Boys account occasionally, along with uh, Big Al BYB. And of course, you can find both of us pretty much every day or every few days at blessyourboys.com with a post of one type or another. Uh, I haven't been doing many recaps this week as Catherine has been handling the load, but I'll be doing a whole bunch. Um, and probably uh, uh, starting in about a week, and she she's going to be off for a few weeks, so it's uh, it'll be back to that grind. But regardless of all that, uh, it'll be a much better grind when the Tigers are winning. Because God, it was sucking doing recaps every night when the Tigers are getting blown out. But that's not happening anymore, and we're not even going to go there. So, all right, with that, let's wrap it up. So until hopefully this time next week, this is Al Beaton saying uh, good afternoon, good luck, and. Happy Fourth of July. And along with Hookslide. Yeah, don't burn your fingers on the sparklers, okay? Yeah. And don't blow your fingers off, and my girlfriend will be the one fixing you up in the ER tonight. So please be careful out there. And don't drink and drive. No, don't drink and explode fireworks. And and, and shut the fireworks off about 11 o'clock. It's annoying past that. It freaks out the animals. So, all right, I think we've given enough lectures for today. So until uh, next week, we'll see you on the next Bless Your Boys podcast. Ha, 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 that'll get him out of the old ballpark. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella.